Welcome to our home, or more specifically, to our table. This is where we eat and drink, laugh and cry and make jokes. It's where homework is done, sermons are written, games are played, and guests are made welcome. It's where discussions are held, disagreements are resolved, and feelings are often shared. Our table is well-worn, as you can see from the affliction of felt-tip pens and the glitter glue of small children. The table, for us, as I'm sure for many of you, is where life happens. The table has great significance, especially in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus developed a little bit of a reputation for eating and drinking around various tables. As Jesus himself said to the religious people of his time, the son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's clear that Jesus enjoyed a good meal and a drink. But even though he ate with sinners, he never sinned with sinners. And even though he dined with some of the most established people within society, his heart remained humble. Jesus welcomed everyone. And when the wine ran out or there wasn't enough food, he would miraculously provide more. We see this practice with the early church, with the followers of Jesus as we read in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as many of you will know, our vision for this year is Acts from Acts. And if we long to see God move today, as he did in the early church, we need to revisit the way the early church lived. And one of the things they did was the practice of hospitality, which one dictionary describes as kindness in welcoming guests and strangers. Now, obviously, hospitality is a funny topic to talk about right now because we're unable to practice hospitality in the way we would like. But I believe that we can still demonstrate the love of hospitality during this season of lockdown in very creative ways. For example, Linda Fugard, who is a member of our Trent Compassion team, has been baking biscuits for her neighbours and engaging in conversation with them whilst practising social distancing, which is just wonderful. And so today I'd like to unpack what hospitality looked like in the early church following Jesus's example and what it could look like for us in the 21st century, as well as in this season of lockdown. Now, looking back at the early church, spending time around the table, eating and drinking together was core to how the early church grew. We see this in the story of Paul and Silas when they were both miraculously released from prison and the jailer and his family gave their lives to Jesus. We read in Acts chapter 16 verses 33 to 34, the jailer brought them to his house and set a meal before them. Again with the story of Lydia's conversion in Philippi, we read in Acts chapter 16 verses um, 14 to 15, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. 
When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And we hear Paul throughout his letters encouraging the church to continue the practice of hospitality. As he said in Romans 12:13, share with the Lord's people those that are in need. Practice hospitality. From Jesus to the early church to the letters of Paul throughout the New Testament, we see the practice of eating and drinking in homes as family around the table. And this is how the early church spread from a few dozen um, people into what it is today. At this point, I'd like to recommend an excellent book by Rosaria Butterfield called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. In it, she talks of hospitality like this. Radically ordinary hospitality. Those who live it see strangers as neighbours and neighbours as family of God. Radical hospitality was clearly an integral part of Jesus and early church life. But clearly, because that's how the church grew exponentially. But to understand God's heart for hospitality, we really need to understand the context as to why Jesus pursued table fellowship. In the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, there's a book called Leviticus that the Jewish people would refer to as the law of holiness. Holiness back then was defined by religiously sticking to the law and doing what it said. This naturally developed two groups, a holy group and an unholy group, an inclusion group and an exclusion group. Those who tried to adhere to the code of holiness were a part of the inclusion group and those that didn't, the exclusion group. And this was the law that the religious people of Jesus' time were hypocritically trying to adhere to. And this is what Jesus confronted throughout his ministry. Jesus came to fulfil the law, to make the kingdom of God available to everyone. And this is what we see in the story in Luke. Zacchaeus uh, was a tax collector. Um, And tax collectors at the time were quite despised because they would collect the tax um, from the people on behalf of the Roman government. But they would then increase the tax so that their pockets would benefit from the increase. Zacchaeus was a very short man that wanted to see Jesus as he passed through Jericho. So he decided to climb a tree to get a better view. We pick the story up in Luke chapter 19 verses 5 to 7. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. The crowd was shocked that Jesus would invite himself to dine at the house of a notorious sinner. And the people were often appalled with Jesus through dining with um, the likes of um, tax collectors and sinners. It's the equivalent of Jesus being around today 
and showing radical hospitality by dining with someone like a, a, a paedophile or a terrorist. I wonder how we would respond to Jesus today. By eating and drinking and showing compassion to the people that the religious people would have condemned, Jesus was removing the barriers between the inclusion and the exclusion groups. Which is why he sat with both the rich and the poor. Jesus includes everyone and excludes no one and invites everyone to dine at his father's table. From the millionaire to the thief to the criminal to the prostitute, all are invited. And this is how Jesus earned a reputation for eating and drinking with sinners. Sinners were people that just could not live up to the law the ones that just couldn't get it right. And this may come as a surprise, but that includes you and me. In the eyes of the law, we would all be in the exclusion group. But the good news is, through what Jesus did in fulfilling the law, by dying on the cross, he has made it possible for us all to be invited to take a seat at the Father's table. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 puts it like this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. The American pastor John Mark Homer describes hospitality like this. He says, hospitality is the love of a stranger. Therefore, hospitality is the love of God made available to everyone. And so I have two questions today. And the first one is, what does radical hospitality look like for us in the 21st century? Now, in order to answer this question, we need to draw a distinction between generosity and hospitality. The two are linked and walk hand in hand, but they are not the same. A couple of weeks ago, John Bodley did a fantastic talk on generosity, where he showed us what generosity could look like for us all today. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to watch it online. In short, generosity, according to Wikipedia, is the virtue of being liberal in giving. Hospitality, as I mentioned earlier, is kindness in welcoming guests and strangers. As a church, we can be incredibly generous without being hospitable, but we can't be hospitable without being generous. And to help me illustrate this point, earlier I asked my girls Eden and Cora to help me. As a church, God has blessed us with incredible generosity, which is wonderful. Generally speaking, we just need to hear about a need in our city and we'll be quick to try and meet it. This individual, who the girls refer to as Kendrick, represents the church. The church has recently had a call to say that the homeless in our city need food. So the church rallied together to buy and prepare food to give to the homeless. And with the blessing that is online banking, we can do this without leaving our homes, which is just brilliant. We call this ministry the Suit Run. This individual, who the girls refer to as Marshall, is homeless and hears about the generosity of the church and comes along to a designated place at a designated time to receive the food. 
When Kendrick gives Marshall the food, he's unable to see who Marshall really is. Nonetheless, in his generosity, he gives the food to the homeless. This is great, as Jesus tells us to remember the poor. The church goes home feeling great because they were able to feed the hungry, and the homeless go back to a shop doorway well fed. Hospitality, on the other hand, removes the barrier and walks shoulder to shoulder with the stranger. Hospitality listens with empathy to their stories. Hospitality befriends the stranger, who then becomes a neighbour and is then welcomed into the family of God to dine at the Father's table. Thanks for your help, girls. Some time ago, I was at a conference in Birmingham and at lunchtime, I decided to go for a walk in search of food. At the, te at the Tesco Express, I noticed that there was an individual that appeared to be homeless. I walked past him into the shop in search of a sandwich and as I was walking around the shop, I had a thought to ask the individual if he would like something to eat. I went out of the shop and asked him and he said, no. I then returned to the shop and in search of this sandwich and as I was about to, to purchase it, I had another thought that was ask the individual if I could have my lunch with him. So after purchasing the sandwich, I went back outside and I asked the individual if I could sit with him and he said, yes. Now I didn't eat the sandwich because it felt somewhat insensitive at the time, but I sat with him and we chatted. He told me his name, he shared his story, and I listened. And when it finished, I had the opportunity to pray for him. I'd like to think at that moment, that individual felt welcome to the table. Sometimes the gift of hospitality looks a lot like listening. In fact, the priest Henry Nouwen suggests that listening is the highest form of hospitality. To be fully present, in the moment, and available to the person in front of you. We can be generous without being hospitable, but we cannot be hospitable without being generous because hospitality requires the giving of ourselves just as Jesus gave himself for us. In Luke 14, once again, we see Jesus eating and drinking around a table. Then he, Jesus, turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbours, the kind of people who will return the favour. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be an experience, you'll, you'll be an experience, sorry, you'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favour, but the favour will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. What Jesus is saying here is don't just invite your friends and family to dine at your table, but extend your table to involve and invite people that don't look like you. The reality is there are people all around us, both inside and outside of our church community, that are waiting for an invitation of hospitality to dine at our table. And that is both the physical and the metaphorical table. From the homeless, to the child in foster care, 
to the single parent, to the refugee, to the recovering alcoholic, to the ex-offender, to the widower, to the student, to the single person, to the family, to the elderly, to the married couple, to the same-sex couple, to the individual that doesn't look like me or doesn't look like you. To those that are living a very different lifestyle to us. We all need hospitality. We all need to feel welcome. And we all need a seat at the table. If we want to see God move today as he did in the early church, we need to posture our hearts towards radical hospitality. And sometimes it's not pretty. Pete Gregg, the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, said this. Biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not the Ikea catalogue. True hospitality allows for interruption goes the second mile. Above all, it is present to people. It can often hurt our schedules, our emotions, our bank accounts, and yes, it can even mess up our lives. At this point, I could give you a list of things um, that we could do or examples that we could all do, and we could all pick one from the list. But hospitality is so much more than that. Hospitality is about us seeing our lives as the metaphorical table. It's about opening our lives to welcome in others. The question is, will we surrender our hearts to God to allow him to show us where the glass screens are in our lives? And this brings me to my second question today which is what does radical hospitality look like for us in this current season? You may recall at the very start of this talk, the quote from Rosaria Butterfield, where she said, um, radically ordinary hospitality. That is what the early church practised, and that is what we see. Hospitality was just an everyday, ordinary occurrence. It wasn't anything that was too much out of the ordinary. Recently, a friend of mine was telling me how he and his wife was talking about how busy their household was when a member of their small group offered to cook for them whilst they um, focused on the bedtime routine with their children. He said it was great as the individual got to experience the mess of their house and their of, of their family. Um, But he said it was great at the same time because at the end of it all, they were able to enjoy a meal together. He described it very simply as being very ordinary and lovely. And what I particularly like about that story is very similar to Jesus inviting himself to Zacchaeus's house. This individual didn't wait to be invited either. Hospitality is about welcoming people into our everyday, ordinary lives. And this is why our current season of lockdown shouldn't be a barrier to the practice of hospitality. 
I loved watching and hearing recently about Andy and Louisa Haffley as they invited the neighbours on their street to um, be a part of a sing-along whilst practising social distancing on their drive. There are people that are meeting online in small groups across the city who are sharing life together in this, this season of lockdown. And I'd like to say that actually this season has caused many of us to start that process or that journey of removing those glass screens in our lives. Even for us recently, the other week, our neighbour asked us if we would want some of the um, potatoes that their son had brought over for them. And we've been speaking to our neighbours for for years. And that day, as my wife and I, Sarah, were eating our bangers and mash, we both said that after all of this is over, it would be great to invite them over for dinner. And so Alan and Lydia, if you're watching, we would love to have you over for dinner when all of this is over. And so to bring this to a close, I wonder what hospitality looks like for you in this season. Maybe it's learning and perfecting a new recipe dish now, whilst we're in lockdown, to invite someone over physically to enjoy when it's all over. It could be eating together over social media platforms whereby we can eat together share together vulnerably about how we're doing, laugh together, cry together, and even pray together. Or if you're local to the Nottinghamshire area and you're feeling lonely or alone in this season, I would love to invite you to connect with one of our online groups where you'll meet friendly people that would love to see you, who I'm sure in due time you will get to meet them personally, physically, in person. 